Welcome to the Endurance Drive podcast. Our mission is to share the key principles that structure our approach to endurance training and coaching. I'm Jim. And I'm Katie. And today, episode, what number are we? We are number five. Wow. You know that most podcasts die after three? Really? Yeah. Well, see, we got around that by releasing all three episodes at once. So maybe we'll die by episode six, but... For now, we're on episode five, we're gonna, so... We're going to keep going. Nothing to worry about. Right. There we go. And you told me before the podcast, before you rolled in here, that I had to say this was a special day. Why, why is today special? Well, today's a very special day because it's our first podcast with a live studio audience. Mmm. Yay. So our live studio audience today is Miss Colleen, our really amazing gear and social media chair. And she's taking some footage so that we can show you what it's like live from the pain cave where we do most of our recordings. Thanks, Colleen. <laughs> she says you're welcome she does not have a mic <laughs> and also it is the day after christmas it is yeah. it's boxing day mm-hmm. which we don't celebrate but we are celebrating the aftermath of christmas for some very special reasons including some special christmas gifts what did santa bring you santa brought me this year a race registration yay and our core fans will notice that in a strava post recently i alluded to my 2024 a race being chosen that's exactly what we're talking about here so i have signed up for a race in 2024 is this this the big reveal this is the big reveal we get to hear it we should probably add a a drum roll right okay Maybe we can edit in uh, <laughs> an actual <laughs> drum roll. But yes, I signed up for my 2024 A-Race, which is at the end of July this year, and it is the Sea to Summit Triathlon. And I'll say my first exposure actually to Sea to Summit was when Jim did this race back in 2018, and I was lucky enough to be his porter, they call it, which is someone who's in charge of all of the logistics of the racer. So Jim, actually, would you tell us a little bit about Sea to Summit? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, you did a great job. Thank Being you. Being my porter, thank you very much. Okay, so Sea to Summit, uh, you swim near the Atlantic. I guess sometimes they swim in the Atlantic, and other times you swim in a river near the Atlantic. Mm-hmm, but down that's the sea. In the sea coast of New Hampshire. And then you bike about 95 miles to Wildcat Mountain, which mm-hmm. is at the base of Mount Washington. Mm-hmm. And then the last leg is that you hike Mount Washington to the top. Yes, exactly. And I thought that that was the coolest race ever because it really combines a lot of things that I love and then gets rid of some things I don't like so much about the sport of triathlon. So we are minimizing the swim, but keeping a really long bike and we're subbing the road run for a trail run. So I thought it'd be perfect. And yeah, so why this race? Not How come I'm not another Ironman, Katie? Yeah, it's a good question. And a lot of people were wondering if I do another Ironman next year after having a really great year with Lake Placid and Kona in 2023. Uh, but it's really just a big year for me life-wise. I feel like I've reached this age where, you know, we're going to a ton of different weddings and bachelorette parties and graduations and I'm finishing my PhD program and all this stuff is happening, which is just going to make it really, really hard to live sort of the monk style life that we've talked about if you're trying to get ready for an Ironman because I'm going to be traveling a lot and I'm going to be moving around quite a bit. So I wanted to do something that, you know, would have a lot of features that I really, really like, but does take a little bit of the pressure off because inevitably in doing an Ironman, I'm going to feel some level of pressure. And I was really happy with my performances last year. So this year is a little bit more trending towards fun. 
So you're celebrating the winner from last year. Yes. Still. yes yeah. yeah. We Perfect. have a that's, 2024 victory lap. And that's important. And that being said, you know, I still think I can build some fitness and improve. I'm really excited about the terrain of this race. And more broadly, I'm really excited about getting more into some solid trail running training. So I've always done a lot of really dedicated road training prep, but I've never actually like trained for trail running. It's always been something that I've just done for fun kind of during my off season. And I love it so much, but the idea of doing trail running workouts, I think would be really, really cool. And maybe then I'd get into some trail races or something like that down the line. And you probably also aren't a huge fan of the 4,000-yard swims. Yes, yeah, I am not a right? huge fan of the 4,000-yard swims, believe it or not. Um, I am a reformed adult swimmer, I guess they call it, but I still don't love it too much. So being able to minimize that, I think, will be fantastic. Perfect. That's great. Well, congratulations. Thank you so we, much. We look forward. You should get probably get a coach. I should. Actually, I was going to use this podcast, Jim, to ask you a really important question. Would you be willing to coach me for CETA Summit in 2024? Maybe. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, assuming that you will, I'd actually love to use this time to dive into a little bit your thoughts on what this training plan might look like, because I think it relates to this conversation that we've had about season planning and about structuring a training plan. Um, but since this race demands some sort of different features than we've done in the past, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how we're going to do this. Well. I knew you were going to ask me this question, so so I am prepared. <laughs> great. <laughs> All right, great. Okay, so well, I, I mean, you started off by just discussing what sort of some of your goals and why you wanted to do that. I think it's always a, the, one of the first questions we ask our athletes: like, Why do you want to do this? Right? It's a really big commitment, so there has to be a, a why there and, a, and an important why there. We also want to talk about how much time do you have to commit to mm-hmm. the training, right? Also, where will you be located? Will you mm-hmm. be traveling a lot? Is there, you know, do you have business travel? Like you talked about, you have a lot of weddings coming up and, and those kind of celebratory things as well. And also like are there any, you know, strength or weaknesses that you want to target for this race. So, you know, in general, we talk about race planning as this sort of partnership and negotiation mm-hmm. between coach and athlete. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And my goal is to work with this sort of difficult year in terms of exciting stuff, but travel stuff and make this race fit within that. If that's something you're up for, I think that we can probably get kind of creative with it as Mm -hmm. we've had to do in the past. So with that in mind, what do you think it'll look like kind of moving from January to February? I think we'll probably get started in the new year like a lot of our athletes. So I'm curious to hear what kind of workouts I'm going to be doing. Sure. So we have extensive notes here. And we're going to go through them. And so as a coach and athlete, I want you to chime in here as well as we go through each month. And uh, actually, one of the nice things about this podcast is we have really extensive notes on our website. We do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quick sidebar for our extended show notes. If you go to the Endurance Drive website, you can find really long notes on all of our podcasts, as well as links to different products or resources that we recommend. So if this seems to be going by really fast and you're trying to take notes, don't worry. We've done it for you. Just head over to the website. Great. Perfect. So we have about seven months to plan this out. Okay. So let's start in January. All right. Coming up. So um, on the bike, probably easy and tempo Zwift rides. Sounds good. Base runs with some 20, 30 second pickups. Hopefully some winter hiking if winter ever arrives, right? (laughs) (laughs) And maybe you'll get back in the pool. Yes. I've taken about a month out of the pool and it's been really nice to not spend all my time there. But I think one or two times per week, having it in the schedule will probably motivate me to do it a little bit more because that is a little bit harder for me to motivate for. Right. So low pressure swimming in in January. Can I ask you a question about January? Sure. So right now it was 45 degrees today. I rode my bike outside. There's Mm -hmm. really no snow in the forecast coming up. Do Mm -hmm. you think I should just stay outside as long as I can or is there an advantage? to kind of getting on Zwift as soon as I can. There's advantages and disadvantages to both. Okay. Right. We talk a lot about using the outside, especially in this winter and spring, to keep up that that outdoor durability, yep. right? That that length, right? But also it's easier to build, you know, strength and power 
on Swift, right? Okay. So probably, you know, during weekdays, you'll be inside, I yep. assume, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and then weekends, hopefully, if it's warmer, we'll, we'll be outside. Okay. Is that right? Makes yeah. Sense? And I guess yeah. if we can't bike outside, maybe we'll ski outside. Mm, for sure. Okay. Right? Yeah. Awesome. I uh, hope that's in the plan. Oh, yeah. I hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm moving on to February, sort of similar to January, but we'll do, again, some zone two, some tempo, and we'll introduce some short uh, threshold Zwift workouts. We'll increase the run intervals to one to two minutes okay. at threshold, right? sort of it's 5K, 10K yep. pace, yep. right? And probably stick on that two times per week swim as yep. well, yeah? Um, My guess is I'm probably going to do more like one time per week in mm -hmm. January, and then if we can scale up to two from there, that sounds great. Perfect. And we'll really focus on so like technical 50s, don't worry about time or pace, and we'll probably do a little bit of speed and strength with, um, cool. with paddles, right? What's our favorite way to end a swim our workout? Our favorite way to end a swim workout is adding on four by 200 yards with paddles and buoy. That's a great way to just get 800 more yards. And it's not like it's a junkyard. You know, it's really, really high quality strength type work in the pool. So we will get really fast by the end of our progression doing that. But you'll find that if it's your first time, that can really tire out your upper body. So it takes a little bit of adjusting mm -hmm. to get used to. Yeah. And then if you do it well, you will swim really, really fast with a wetsuit. Right, you can start with four by one hundred, for exactly. example, right, and then yep. work to one fifties and then and then two hundreds. Yep. Okay. All right, March um, gets a little spicy in March. Ooh, we yeah. love March spice. Mm -hmm. So we do a little bit of neuromuscular work, ten to twenty seconds. We will also do some anaerobic capacities. Those are twenty seconds to forty seconds at about one hundred twenty-five percent of FTP. Okay. And mm -hmm. FTP, just for those who don't know, it's called functional threshold power. Okay. And it's, in, it's what kind of watts or power you can hold or effort you can hold for an hour. Nice. So when you hear us say FTP, it's basically your hour power. So it's, again, some, some spice in yeah. March, right? Those hurt. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it'll warm up a little bit more, get some long rides yep. uh, if the weather permits. And for running, we'll probably do some hill, hill intervals, yep. continue with some hiking, hopefully, yep. and some just some short threshold running. Yeah, and I'm assuming yeah. runs are all kind of happening on the roads right now because mm -hmm. we will not really have good trail access if yep. the winter is anything like it usually is. And then maybe we can coax you into three times a week in the pool. Ugh, I was hoping that by signing up for Cedar Summit, I would never have to do three times a week in the pool, but I will get in the pool three times a week if you tell me to. Okay, perfect. Great athlete. April, zone two, tempo, and probably some sweet spot, which Ooh. is about 90% of your FTP, right? Yep. So during the week, and then again, long rides on the weekends, back to more hill run intervals. And uh, really want to work that upper aerobic range. Okay. Right? Sea to summit, it is really this perfect test of your aerobic threshold, mm -hmm. right? When mm -hmm. you drop your bike at Wildcat and head for Mount Washington, you just you basically just drill it at your yep. threshold heart yep. rate, and you stay there until you get to the top of Mount Washington. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the yeah. Theory, if we can right? show up like ready to do that, I think that would be a really great race. And the swims will be you know one mixed swim per week, uh, one speed and one okay. and one strength. Alrighty. Right? Mm -hmm. All right. May looks, it's very similar to April, okay. actually. So not a lot to talk about there. Maybe we can sneak in some three to four hour long rides in yep. May. Yeah, mm -hmm. right, such a warm up a little bit. Yep, that'll get me ready for that 95 mile ride yep. in Cedar Summit. And then June, uh, we'll, we'll bump up the bike volume even more. Okay. Maybe, maybe four to five hours. We'll start to focus really on hiking a lot. So we're just sort of working from, from least specific to most specific. So yep. hiking is obviously a real core piece of this here. Mm -hmm. And we'll focus on getting some vertic vertical and we'll probably do some weighted carries as okay. well. I don't think we've done those yet with mm -hmm. you. Yeah, we have not. So great. I'm going to carry you up the mountain. You are. <laughs> <laughs> just like last time in 2019, yeah. right? <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> but we'll probably use, you know, 10% of your body weight okay. right, in a pack and yep. just, you know, walk up a local hill. Right, cool. do some hill repeats. Right, more road running, more swimming. Hopefully, at that point, we'll be outside and we'll add in a, a long distance open water swim mm, at that okay. at that point. And hopefully, 
we'll do like a race sim mm, yep at eight weeks yep right? hopefully um, we can get on some trails for that race sim like trails. go straight to the whites just exactly like we like to right. do. so we try to really make the race sim in week eight and week four very similar to your mm -hmm. to your race perfect july Yep. All right, here we go. This Last four weeks, stretch. right? Yeah. All right. Big again, things sort of just just big rides. Like I mean, as you mentioned, right? We want to make that ninety-five miles just yep. feel super super easy, right? Yep. And I think for C to Summit, we'll probably focus around eighty to eighty-five percent of your FTP okay. for most yep. of it. We'll see how the training goes, right? Yep. But I mean, you'll sort of play around with that. But what's sustainable? Mm -hmm. You know, Ironman is usually around seventy-two percent of your FTP, so mm -hmm. it could be had to go twenty-six miles afterwards. Obviously, so yep. this one's a little bit different because we have to just hike what five miles yeah right? so, it's interesting because it is a race that's usually like probably going to be under seven ish hours which is closer to a half ironman effort but definitely longer than that so mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to kind of go in between the two distances and see how the, the effort all shakes out yeah so we'll figure that out and we'll do a bunch of 10 20 minute 30 minute bike intervals that 80 85 percent of ftp and just kind of figure out what feels good right mm -hmm. what leaves yep. you enough energy to get to on top of washington very quickly that sounds great <sighs> then we taper Oh, yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. We should be. Should be. <laughs> yes. Taper sounds good to me. Yeah. So we always say after the week four race sim, yep. what do we always say? The hay is in. The hay is in the barn. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. right. So week three, we'll do some stuff. But, you know, week two, week one, then race week is really just kind of taper and, awesome. and sharpening. Right. Well, this sounds yeah. like a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. And thank you for being willing to kind of work this stuff around my very busy schedule. I'm sure that we'll probably try to stack some of those long rides on, say, a Friday if I'm going to be going on a Saturday and Sunday. And luckily, my work schedule makes it pretty easy to do that. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you'll also join me for some of these rides. I <laughs> always appreciate it, buddy. We've done a lot of these long rides together so far. Um, and yeah, we hope that this type of overview is useful to other races as well and people just think about how we think about seasons progressing and you know we encourage you to ask us questions about races that are a little bit more non-traditional this is a format and distance that we don't see all the time so it's not necessarily like a one-size-fits-all half Ironman or Ironman plan is going to work and in general we don't really have those one-size-fits-all plans because we're always individualizing but yeah really appreciate the creativity here and I'm super excited to get started yeah my pleasure and yeah and as Katie says we do have very customized plans and everybody's an individual but you could probably take the bare bones of this and, mm -hmm. and, and adjust it to yep. either a half Ironman or, or an Ironman plan Definitely. so we sort of outlined the first seven months yes. you know, before a, a big A race, mm -hmm. right? a big long distance. That sounds race. awesome. Yeah. So. Great. Well, thank mm -hmm. you so much. Mm -hmm. And I think this is actually a really good segue to our topic for today's episode, episode five, which is lessons from 2023. So our goal for today is, you know, we're thinking ahead to 2024, but we also want to think back to 2023 and put together all the lessons that we learned from coaching and training and share them with you all, because hopefully they're a little bit helpful for you in thinking about your own training and maybe your own life. So yeah, this episode will really transcend like the tra training principles and the life principles. So I'm going to let Jim start us off. Jim, what are some lessons you had this year from training? Mm, I had, I had, I had many lessons, many lessons, but I had to, had to minimize them just to five, five <laughs> lessons. Well, yeah. actually I have to say you gave me a lot of shit for coming up with 10 injury prevention <laughs> tips last week. <laughs> so here you are with five lessons from training, but I know that they're all good. I've seen the notes. so I'm going to allow it just this once. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Lesson, uh, Number one from okay. 2023. Actually, I have to admit, it's actually a lesson from like 2020, actually. Okay. All right. But it <laughs> it's taken me three years to get around to this one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to put it in the 2023 bucket. And that was, I went to the gym one day and I looked in the mirror and I just saw, I saw this really skinny, weak endurance mm -hmm. athlete. I thought, who's that guy? <laughs> that guy was me. Yep. <laughs> right. So finally started to lift yep. this year. Started to really get serious about it. Mm -hmm. um, 
as we talked about sort of in our last podcast and mentioned strength training was I just I started really easy just going through the, the motions and after a few weeks I added more weight and then um and now I'm sort of lifting pretty heavy four times a week nice right and it feels it feels fantastic right you're lifting in this room right here the pain in, cave in the, in, the, in the pain cave right exactly right yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that also dovetailed really nicely with getting a really good setup at home that just makes it so seamless to be able to do that I think we encourage people, if you can, to have just some weights at home such that you can just very easily go to whatever room that is, go to your garage, go downstairs, and spend 30 minutes on strength training. As long as it's just heavy. I think there's a lot of strength programs out there, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with, with body weight, yep. and I feel like that fits more into you know mobility and, yep. and stretching, right? You know, mm-hmm. Body weight stuff, but if you really want to challenge yourself and really build muscle and get serious about strength, especially for our master athletes, mm-hmm. you, you, do, you, know, you do need to either have a gym, yep. you know, buy heavy weights, or, mm-hmm. or go to a gym that has heavy weights and really progress to that point where mm-hmm. you're, you're really challenging your motor units. Mm-hmm. Right? And would you say those heavyweights can take a lot of different forms? Like, are you good with kettlebells? Are you good with dumbbells? Are you good with, you know, a, a rack? How does how does that work for you? All those things, right? So whatever you can get. So okay. for, for example, here in the pancake, we have we have uh, kettlebells, we yep. have barbells, we have dumbbells, but really that can just be anything as long as it's just, just heavy, heavy, cool. just go heavy. Right. Exactly right. That's awesome. And as we mentioned in the last podcast, like just compound movements, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm doing bench press, I'm doing squats, I'm doing pull-ups, I'm doing shoulder presses, and yep. also throwing in some back extensions, mm-hmm. some, some calf raises, some lat pulls. So, um, But anyway, but you got serious about strength this year too as well. I did, yeah. Actually, this is sort of a training lesson for both of us because in the last year, right before last year's build, so my 2023 build, I guess it was then the fall of 2022, I started getting a lot more serious about strength training as well. And I really was new to you know any type of heavy lifting, so I ended up working with the strength trainer just so that I could learn what these movements even look like and I found that you know after working with the trainer for about a month I didn't really need it anymore because I knew what those motions are but I think that's one of the huge things that led to such a successful season for me in 2023 faster times not getting injured and overall just feeling a lot stronger on the swim bike and run was uh, strength related so mm-hmm. just a lesson to everyone now's a great time to get into some strength training we talked about it for injury prevention we talked about it in season planning and we encourage it very very highly yeah well kudos for hiring a professional to help mm-hmm. you out too right definitely yeah right on okay number two number two mm-hmm. this was this was a big one yep yeah all right so i'm like many anxious type a high achieving tightly wound triathletes mm-hmm. you me <laughs> yeah yeah what? really what yeah that doesn't sound familiar yeah, to anyone we know i know it's so strange right over the years, I've, I think I've primarily managed my mental health, you know, via my exercise. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that sort of sound familiar to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So the way I view this is I sort of view it as a scale, right? So on one side, I have this the physical side, and then on the other side of the scale is this mental side. And then sort of throughout the day, as things pile up, anxiety piles up, the the mental side sort of gets out of balance with the physical side, mm-hmm. right? And then I go outside and I'll go for a run or a bike or swim, whatever it is, and I'll sort of shave off some grams off the mental side and, mm-hmm. and add some weight to the physical side. And generally, at the end of the day or then those workouts, I, I feel pretty balanced, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I think that works most of the time, but I think I realized in 2023 that Sometimes it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can get injured. You know, sometimes it doesn't even work in ways that you expect. Maybe you're not injured and you just try to go out for that run. And it doesn't work. So what did that look like for you once you made that realization that this doesn't always work in the way that you might expect it to? How did you kind of adapt and think about other ways to manage mental health without only relying on training and exercise? Right. For, for me, most of the time, it just was just I was sort of confused for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. why? Like, I've done my workouts. Like, mm-hmm. why do I still feel like, yeah. right? You know? And I think for me, mostly it was just about being aware yep. that that it wasn't always going to be an, an equal like, mm. was, i couldn't i couldn't equal the scale like mm-hmm. every single every single day right there's gonna be some days where i'm gonna feel better than other days so 
Yep. For me, it was just mostly just being aware yeah. of like that this is, it doesn't always work, right? So mm-hmm. I need then to carve out some more time to, you know, think about, just be aware, right? And mm-hmm. balance out that, and balance out that scale. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And I think that in general, like stress and anxiety aren't things that we can always perfectly eliminate, but the awareness is one of the best first steps. I think on my end, I've thought a lot about, you know, the training and the exercise are super important to me and I know they help when it comes to managing mental health, but I've tried really hard to isolate the elements of that that matter so much for me. And I think I realized that at the end of the day, really the best thing to make me feel really, really good is spending time outside with people that I love. And it's not always the exact training and movement. So if you gave me two choices between like sitting on the porch outside in some trees with people that I really love and just having a good time versus running on a treadmill in a city, I know that the outside time would matter so much more. So once I was able to identify that, it took the pressure off of trying to always rely on the training and the exercise because I could isolate those those elements that mattered so much to me. But sometimes they're conflated when, you know, my happiest times ever have been like doing stuff outside with people I love. And it's usually kind of training oriented. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, having those two things in my back pocket is great. And I think that's a really, really good lesson for this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it just in general, I think we're talking more and more about mental health yep. as, as a culture. And, yep. and so it's being led by some really prominent sports figures as well. Absolutely. That's just very cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope that that's a topic we'll keep coming back to on this podcast. We know that it intersects with training and goal setting and everything else so much. We'll probably come back to it within this podcast to just this episode. Um, so yeah, thanks for, thanks for shedding some light on it for sure. Okay. Number three. Yeah. Oh, number three, I'm calling all roads lead to Rome on a trainer. Okay. <laughs> Care to expand. Yeah. Okay. I will. Okay. So I think that all trainer, both structured and even unstructured, structured mm-hmm. oh my gosh is productive work right so we have this very extensive zwift library about mm-hmm. 350 workouts that we drop to our our athletes yep. in a dropbox and they can import that into zwift and so we get all fancy with our zones and imperialization and key workouts and we have all this designed for specific stimuluses for physical attribute um but i think what i realized like last winter was that you could probably simplify your trainer work mm-hmm. <laughs> and just and just say i'm gonna do easy medium and mm-hmm. hard if you're really stuck to that 80 20 principle and just did a lot of easy like super easy stuff on the trainer and you spent maybe you know anywhere from five to ten hours in the trainer in the winter mm-hmm. you'd still come out in the mm-hmm. springtime being pretty powerful you'd be a you'd be a watts beast right mm-hmm. so there is a time and place obviously for structured right when we, we do encourage you to have a coach <laughs> to do structured training but honestly i think you could, if you just spend a lot of time on your trainer you just get super like tough yeah yeah i love that mm-hmm. and i think also if you think about zwift having these courses that do have varied terrain and they have these little sprint bursts and they have a lot of stuff where you can insert variety without necessarily having a structured workout i think don't be afraid to use those because those can be really fun it's competitive it's interesting and it doesn't just mean you have to just go on zwift triple flat loops and ride there at a hundred watts for for two hours or do a zwift uh, race yeah mm-hmm. we've done a lot of that in the yeah. past mm-hmm. right right so my last two are more nutrition and supplement based. Okay. Mm-hmm. This okay. is not an advertisement. But no, here we this go. is not an advertisement. <laughs> so after years of avoiding any kind of supplementation, yeah. I've always been really against it. I started focusing because um, I'm always focusing on a sort of healthy diet, right? Mm-hmm. That's we always we talk a lot about balanced plate yep. and not having a particular agenda for mm-hmm. any kind of diet, right? Whatever. But um, I did do a couple of things this year. Okay. And one is I jumped on the creatine bandwagon. Oh man. Mm, I know. Creatine came for you finally. Yeah, yeah brah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually I, I found it super helpful for okay. like high end and it really noticed a difference in the high end, especially on the yeah. bike. Biking it was high end work. When do you mm. take it? 
I'll just take it in the morning. Okay, cool. So this segues into my second one. Okay. Which, uh-oh, I jumped on the Athletic Greens bandwagon as well. Oh That's my, my gosh, you also take that in the morning? How cliche. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Athletic Greens, we do accept sponsorship deals. So so I do, so actually I do put my creatine actually in my AG1. And okay, there, nice. have a little mixer, mix it, mix cool. it around with a bunch of other things as well too. But seriously, I was, I was feeling a bit down like last winter. Yep. And I just couldn't figure out, like, why do I just feel kind of low energy? And so, yeah, I kind of bit the bullet and tried nice. Athletic Greens. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think the magic there really is the just the big shot of B12 vitamins, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And there's probably other more economical ways to skin that cat. Mm-hmm. But it's also just super convenient. And I, yeah. I still been taking it to this day. So Nice. But, but anyway, are you taking anything? That's a, <laughs> that's a big question. <laughs> Am I taking anything? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I actually, on the other hand, have had a pretty spartan approach to supplementation and haven't really played around with it too much um i do really like taking all mix up collagen peptides and live momentous protein powder sometimes after workouts which i think the collagen peptides are good you know it's i I don't know that they've changed my life in a big way that i can notice but they seem to not hurt and they have a lot of protein which Mm -hmm. i'm into that but i may you know with this endorsement consider getting on the creatine and ag1 bandwagon Go, Katie, go. And our studio audience member, Colleen, has just endorsed creatine as well. So <laughs> She's a big creatine fan. She is. Yes. Right. Awesome. All right. Well, those are great lessons. Mm-hmm. You, you made it through your five pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's my turn now. So Yeah. Do you have like 10 or do you have 25 I or have how many? Yeah. Four. Oh, which okay. is, you know, I'm All an right. underachiever relative Yeah. So I had, I had one more just, to, just for the record, <laughs> just right? Just for the record. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking notes. Um, which just means I'm dumber, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to try to go through them pretty quickly. So number one, I learned learned for this year that if you absolutely nail fueling, you will be faster, full stop. And for me, you know, I think I've always done an okay job with mid-workout and mid-race fueling. I've always tried to develop a plan, but this year we just kind of really tried upping the overall carb content. So in the fa- in the past, I'd really probably focused on trying to get 40 to 60 grams of carbs per hour. And this year we pushed it up to like 70 to 80 grams of carbs per hour. And that's really, really hard to do if you're not taking in liquid sources. So I got on the scratch super fuel bandwagon, mm-hmm. which basically if you use the, the hyper concentrated version, you can get up to like 400 calories per bottle. Wow. Uh, I usually do closer to like 200 calories, 250 calories per mm-hmm. bottle. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're taking in six bottles over the course of reach, each bottle is about 50 grams. It's very, very easy to hit those 70 to 80 grams of carbs per hour Mm -hmm. and I just found that at both Ironman Lake Placid and Kona as well as all my race simulations and long rides I was not dipping on energy Mm -hmm. and anytime I even started to feel a little bit off if I just ate a little bit more or finished that bottle I was back to being able to hold that consistent power and consistent watts so you know we we get this lesson all the time that like fueling works really really well but Mm -hmm. I think it's important to always remind people that that is the best performance enhancer that you can have you know that's totally a you can push as many carbs as you want and uh yeah that's just a great way to feel really great throughout your race yeah that's a good way of saying you know we always talk about your fueling and fitness are equal partners Mm -hmm. on race day yes exactly Mm -hmm. especially the longer your race is but Mm -hmm. even you know at some shorter distance races too i think if i were to race say an olympic distance try you're still out there for two to three hours and that's a great time to be taking in carbs because Mm -hmm. especially in these liquid formats you're Mm -hmm. just going to be topped off you're not going to bonk you're not going to have an energy dip 
So you were using you were using both liquid carbs and I solid was. carbs. Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. I find that if I do only liquid, I start to sort of have this like sloshy feeling. Or you know, I'll get to hour nine of racing, and I'm like, I haven't eaten anything all day, even though I've technically been getting enough carbs. Mm-hmm. So my stomach will sometimes kind of just feel like a little mm-hmm. hollow. Mm-hmm. So for me, the best combination is that bottle plus a little bit of solid food. So I'll take in fig bars, macro bars. We'll do a whole episode on this at some point. And then my other <laughs> my other special trick is in Ironman racing, I love to take in Coke. So they have flat coke at aid stations and that's that's what i switch over to and it's got a lot of carbs so what's your favorite thing to eat on the bike on the bike i like fig bars a lot yeah we Mm. do these i think nature's bakery fig bars Mm. and they're really easy to get down and i think one single little fig bar has probably 20 something grams of carbs so they've always worked really well for me if we could get one sponsorship it would be nature's it would yes Mm -hmm. it definitely would shout out to nature's bakery (laughs) love you (laughs) hashtag (laughs) all right on to tip number two or lesson number two i think i learned this year that your level of pre-race nerves or anxiety that level is not directly proportional to race outcomes. So this is sort of an end of two that I'm working with, but it does go back to many, many years of racing. And I found that, you know, leading up to like class of this year, I was really, really nervous for a lot of different reasons. I spent a lot of time thinking about all the uncontrollables. Like I have my fitness, but what if my bike explodes sometime on the course? Or what if I get kicked in the face on the swim and I lose my goggles and all these things that I just couldn't control. And then before Kona, you know, I basically had the mindset that I was there for a victory lap. I was going on vacation thereafter which was really exciting I had proven everything I wanted to with Ironman like Placid and as it turned out I had a pretty good day at both races you know I think I performed at the level of my fitness in both races I had a good time in both races I didn't fall off the wagon and I think this just led me to realize that you know as long as you feel good about the controllables as long as you've done your training you can choose whether to be stressed about the uncontrollables or not and that stress is not going to necessarily material change the outcome of your race in -hmm. fact you know For some people, maybe a ton of stress going in about the uncontrollables could be at the expense of your race results if you're not sleeping the whole week leading up to Mm -hmm. it. So all this is to say that, yes, uncontrollables happen, but you that's the definition you cannot control them and you can't change them so thinking about ways to just go in and trust what you can control i think will probably be a big mantra for me mm-hmm. and something that i hope i can share with my athletes as yeah, well that's a great lesson awesome mm-hmm. all right um this is also related to ironman like placid and kona a third lesson that i took away from training was you know what it was like to do the same progression that i'd done in 2019 so race ironman like placid qualify for kona and then go which is really a short amount of time you know like placid at the very end of july and then you're recovering from that for almost a month and then it's September and then your race is in the second week of of October so I think in 2019 I really wanted to you know have another great performance at Kona and I ended up just getting back into the training way too fast way too hard and almost immediately got injured you know after two or three long runs I was injured in between Placid and Kona which ultimately I was able to race at Kona but it was I did not run leading up Mm -hmm. to it which Mm -hmm. was really scary And this year, you know, I kind of approached it in a relaxed mindset of I'm going to have fun. I did some gravel bike riding. I did some trail running. I did some not training at all. I did a couple of sort of key workouts, but they were nowhere near as long as the build to Placid. And as it turned out, my Placid fitness kind of just carried and I had a fun day there too. So all that is to say, if we're racing people in the future who are doing two big races back to back like that, I think trying to optimize for both and have the perfect A race build for both is really really dangerous territory so I was glad that I kind of backed it off and Mm -hmm. thank you Jim for the the training plan that guided me in the right direction with that you're welcome 
All right. Last big lesson for me was, and this is kind of getting back to what you're talking about with mental health, but I think I learned a hard lesson this year that it's just really, really hard to perform at your maximum levels and especially follow an elite Ironman training plan when you're dealing with a lot of life stress. So for me this year, you know, the spring was just a challenging time for a lot of different reasons. I was going through a lot of sort of career uncertainties and some life uncertainties and challenges. And I tried to hold on to the same level of training that we'd been doing since January. It had been going well for so many months and I really wanted to. And at a certain point, I sort of just hit a breaking point. And I got to the point where, you know, I was not being able to nail those workouts. I was barely kind of training at all. Exercise was not a mechanism for feeling better. It was just a really, really hard time. And I think the good thing that I took out of that was, you know, I learned a lot about different modifications and swaps that you can do to workouts. And sometimes when you just need to not do anything, you know, there were a couple days where I tried to gear myself up to go out for that 16 mile long run first decided to modify it to a trail run because I thought that'd be more fun and then modified it to like I'm gonna go for a walk for 30 minutes and then I'm gonna sit on the couch and that's not something I think a Katie of previous years would have done um can confirm yes (laughs) but I think it was a really good lesson to learn and something that I'd love to take to my other athletes is you know mental health physical health training all these things go together and just powering through and trying to nail every single workout perfectly is often really counterproductive during these times so I was glad that I could pivot a little bit do what I needed to do make mental health my number one priority and then still be able to come back and have have a decent race which really segues into sort of the three lessons that I learned in coaching this year mm-hmm. which was the first one was exactly what we just talked about so you don't have to always hit all the key mm-hmm. key workouts in the plan right yep. <clears throat> we have to talk about that the plan is this illusion of control mm-hmm. right there are many roads to Rome with that said you need to have a plan to change the plan mm-hmm. but I think we learned this year that you know, if, especially if you are an experienced athlete, mm-hmm. there are a lot of modifications that you can make based upon what's what's happening in your in your life. And I think before both of you and I both as sort of coach and athlete looking mm-hmm. at the plan saying we must hit these plan, we must hit these key workouts. Mm-hmm. This is this is it, right? This is the way to get there. Mm-hmm. And I think we learned this year there's just a lot of flexibility. Yeah. In that. I mean, I'll yeah. add that I did not even do my week four race sim. Like that mm-hmm. we've talked about is right. historically the most important workout leading into an Ironman. I was supposed to go to Lake Placid to do it and I didn't. And I went trail running for a couple of days in the rain instead. And, you know, I still had an okay day. I've been to Lake Placid before. So all this is to say, like, if you're having a hard time, loop in your coach. I was really appreciative of how open you were to being really flexible with the plan on that. And we can always figure something out. But just putting your head down and trying to do it is never really the answer here because that will just push you off the rails even further. Exactly. And you don't want to end up in a position where you don't have a choice and you can't do it. So high five to both of us. Yeah, high <laughs> yeah. five to both of us. We got across the finish line <laughs> of Placid. In a great race. Okay, awesome. man. My second lesson was the case of twos. Okay. Okay. Right. This is very common for for coach and athlete, which is the case of twos is too much, too fast, and too soon. Mm. Mm-hmm. The terrible yeah. twos. The terrible twos. Exactly right. So a little bit of a case study here. I had a, a very motivated new athlete who was discovering their athletic self, mm-hmm. and we started off and. They were very, very enthusiastic, and it turned out they were, we were just exercising seven days a week, mm. which was, should have mm-hmm. been the first flag. So we, yep. we need to always have one one day off yep. in there, especially for a new athlete. Yep. So that was the first warning sign. Uh, so after a period of base building, we started with some you know, 2x per week of 5K, 10K run intervals, mm-hmm. and that went pretty well. But after a few months, this athlete unfortunately started to develop a, a little bit of an Achilles uh, injury, mm-hmm. and that ended up plaguing them for another couple months. Mm. 
And so in retrospect, you know, given that this was a new athlete and sort of, you know, newish to running, I probably should have limited the speed work to like, you know, maybe like half mm-hmm. marathon and 10K paces and maybe done it like once a week as opposed to, you know, twice, twice a week mm-hmm. would do for a more advanced sequence athlete. So that was really on me. So usually these injuries start occurring weeks before mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. manifest, right? Yeah. So you'll see, you know, oh, my Achilles hurts now. It's like, well, that probably started weeks ago, mm-hmm. right? So this was, this was really on me. So the cool part about doing this podcast was I actually was preparing for this. I went back and started looking at some of my new athletes that I'm working mm-hmm. with right now. And I started looking at some of the more of the heart rates and some yep. of the stuff we're doing now. And I actually just a couple of days ago went back and reduced intensity mm. on a number of athletes, right? Saying nice. it's going to be January. Yep. We don't need to get there that quickly, right? So mm-hmm. let's, so I'm going to try to take this lesson and actually, you know, uh, move forward with it in 2024. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting too, because I think the coach does have to listen to the athlete, but often when the athlete is saying like, I want to do more, I want to do more, I want to do more, that's sometimes a moment for the coach to pull back. Whereas if the athlete is saying, I need to do less, 100%, we listen to the athlete. But if it's, I want to do a lot more, that's where we just have to think about everything we've talked about with zone two and modifying that intensity in the beginning. Yeah, as coaches, we, I mean, I think our, most of our job is holding people back, mm-hmm. really, yes. right? It's not really motivating people. We, we have a lot mm-hmm. of motivated people. Yep, on our, all the ducklings on a leash. Yes. That's how we think about it. <laughs> awesome. So number three was we took a page from the Norwegians. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all the rage, right? Now everybody's doing Norwegian training. But mm-hmm. I did a deep dive and did really dug into that and what my takeaway from the Norwegian training was they just did a lot of like tempo mm. sub threshold mm-hmm. running right yep. and, and then they just sort of did this over a, a 10 to 14 weeks right so as opposed to like doing a like a vo2 max work which is a pretty high end mm-hmm. you do it over six to eight weeks but for our long distance athletes just doing a, a bit of a slower build and having a really sub threshold mm-hmm. uh, over that longer t- time period seemed to work pretty well so we tried that out yeah both on you and, and i was Kevin one of the, yeah. the guinea pigs mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. as you call me the first pancake yeah, it's a, first a little pan- funky around the edges but ultimately <laughs> tastes good um i yeah i I actually really like this progression. It was awesome because I think we always talk about this zone three area as being so bad, but there's a big difference between, you know, you walk out the door and your training partner is going too fast. So immediately you're at zone three and you can't breathe for the whole hour versus I'm doing a two to three mile warm up, zone one ramping into zone two. And then we intentionally hit these tempo segments. I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And when there was some, some mindset behind it, I had no problem being at say 158 heart rate or something during a run because I knew that that was the goal. But again, it was still still supported by 80-20. Just that was sort of the the flavor of the 20 for some of our, our harder stuff. Yeah. So who says we can't zone three? Yeah, we can zone three. Yeah, we can zone three. They're the best of them. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, okay. Yeah. So you had some, did you have some lessons? Yes, did, I did, had some did lessons Did you learn too. anything in 2023, Katie? Nothing. Not a thing. <laughs> All right. I'm going to fly through my lessons from coaching really quick now. The first one was that, I don't know if you as athletes have noticed, but there's, you can turn on on Garmin or Apple Watch or different types of fitness trackers. You can turn on different types of data uploading to your training peaks so I was starting to see some of my athletes were uploading things like sleep data or HRV and it was really interesting for me to actually use those markers not as the only thing that's going to define a training plan but as something that helps me understand where they're at so if I see a run that looks like pace wise it should be pretty easy and their heart rate's really high it was really interesting to go back and see like well look they've gotten four hours of sleep for the last three nights and they're in the middle of finals at Dartmouth for example so just using those things I think it's just more and more data to bring to the table so if you're interested we recommend kind of throwing that data in and i'm excited to continue using it for my athletes this year so were you making changes to people's plans based upon hrv or um what? i basically i 
try to think of these indicators as all things that just give me a holistic picture of where the athlete is at. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really making modifications to training plans every single day unless, say, someone is injured and really needs that type of attention. But if I'm seeing comments on workouts that are just like, you know, I'm really not feeling well, I'm not sure why, maybe we see HRV has plummeted and they're getting sick or just different things like that. I talked about in our third episode about, for example, like menstrual cycle tracking. Like, again, just one thing that I use to think about where an athlete is at Mm -hmm. and potential explanations for how things are going or how things might trend. But yeah, I'm just excited to have more data and hopefully we could have an episode on just like different types of data that are useful to us. But at the end of the day, I think HRV is an interesting one and sleep is really, really important. Right. There's a lot of good data and there's, and yeah. there's, and there's a lot of bad yeah. data. <laughs> data. Yeah. That, that's, that'd be a great episode. Yeah. yeah. And then one thing I'd like to add to that, that was a really cool lesson for me was I rolled out sort of this weekly check-in survey with my under 25 athletes this year, where basically it was just a Google forum that I dropped into their training peaks every week. And what I wanted from them was a one to five rating on their perceived physical health and their perceived mental health. And then I left some spots where they could elaborate on that if they wanted to, as well as some areas where they could tell me about, you know, something they were proud of from the last week or something they wanted to work on for the next week but the the bare minimum was just give me a one to five on physical and mental health and that was so helpful for me Mm -hmm. as a coach as well to just know like wow this athlete is going through a lot right now and it's not a great time for me to say let's do an ftp test because stress levels are super high and their mental health is a two so in general i think that was great for me and i hope to actually be able to roll that out with all my athletes Mm -hmm. because i think everyone has stuff going on and as coaches, it's hard, you know, at the end of the day, like we're not necessarily mental health providers in a trained capacity, but what we do does intersect with all elements of life so much that it's just really helpful to have some context. And again, like just knowing that someone is a two is super helpful to me without knowing all the intricacies of their life. I have to admit, tra- so Training Peaks has that, the, the, so you can do like a one to 10, there's a smiley face. And I think it's face, on how right? a workout feels. How a right? workout feels, right. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to admit, I, I tend to ignore that or mm-hmm. don't don't do it. I don't think most of my athletes do that. Yeah. And I, I kind of like your method of just it's separate out of training peaks yeah right? mm-hmm. i think sometimes we just sort of i don't know ignore training or we use sure. it for like the data mm-hmm. put our comments in there but i like this idea of taking something sort of out of that and, yeah. and being more specific mm-hmm. right about filling out this form That's yeah a and i think there's a difference too big difference between like on a week scale versus on a daily scale i don't need someone to give me their one to five rating every single day because we sometimes have a great day and we sometimes have a bad day mm-hmm. but if for like three weeks in a row someone's really just like not feeling great not sleeping all these different things that's where we're going to need to make mm-hmm. some bigger changes to the plan so yeah hoping to roll that out in a bigger capacity this mm-hmm. year I, I mean, steal that plan yeah i may steal that from you from 2024 as long as you trademark it okay um and yeah related to this final thing that was a lesson that i'm super proud of is i think that with this new data and this check-in survey and just really good dialogue with athletes i found that i was almost able to divert injuries before they happened so it was really cool to have athletes let me know immediately when they had just some sort of niggle going on and we used a lot of the tips that we talked about in the last episode taking one to two days off just dialing things back and a lot of the time that led people who have you know chronic like trouble spots they were able to avoid those turning into full-blown injuries in advance of their races so i was just really proud of that because i think we can maybe come closer to cracking the code on injury prevention if we're working with athletes like this so yeah that was really really cool Phew, that's a lot of lessons. We did it. Wow, this was a, Ooh, a lot yeah. of lessons. Mm-hmm. This is going to be our longest episode ever. So thank you to everyone who has uh, stayed until now. We did actually want to take just a couple more minutes quickly to introduce a new segment 
which is going to be our gear pick of the week. This is your favorite part. Yeah, so we love gear. We've <laughs> talked about this in the past. We love gear as much as we love Zone 2. And we, we've spent a lot of time thinking about gear because we've wanted to make that just a seamless part of our outdoor experience. In later episodes, we'll talk about you know things that we do in the mountains, not just swim, bike, run, and what we use to make that possible. So this is our first installment, and Jim is going to take the first gear recommendation for today. So you can all go out and put it on your Christmas list for next year. All right, my gear pick of the week is gloves okay right, right? The, the kinko gloves are these are 35 dollars gloves oh, you don't wow. need to go out and buy all kinds of fancy gloves they are they're not vegan based right Bummer. they're they're a pigskin palm with a knit wrist and they're lined and they're mm-hmm. super warm maybe they're great for biking so mm-hmm. there's basically think about them as a as a 35 dollars biking glove you can mm-hmm. bike down to like 25 degrees so yep. they're good from like maybe like under 50 to, t- to 25 so a wide range mm-hmm they breathe really well and you can also take them hiking as well. Nice. So I have a drawers full mm-hmm. of very, very expensive gloves. And mm-hmm. I, I don't even mention the price of some of these gloves, <laughs> but the $35 Kinko gloves awesome. are the key. And we're going to put a, we'll put a link yeah. right in our show notes. And this. you can probably get them at your local hardware store. Mm-hmm. You They're can. good for chainsawing, for stacking wood, all the, all the other all things, things Jim the- does for zone two base building in Vermont. <laughs> awesome. All right. So my recommendation is also for winter type adventures. And I'm going to recommend the black diamond distance spikes. They are micro spikes so if you live in a warm climate you don't need these but if you live anywhere that has ice and snow and if you spend any time in the mountains or running on trails in the snow these are probably the best micro spikes for sort of hiking and trail running i'll note that they're not the most durable that we've seen but you always do have to kind of do this trade-off between durability and speed um Although you don't have to do that trade-off when it comes to yourself. (laughs) We always advocate for athletes who are durable and speedy. But uh, when it comes to spikes, yeah, these are super light. They're really, really grippy. And they'll usually last me about a season. So just keep that in mind. They often have good Black Friday sales. So I stocked up on two pairs this year because I know that I'll probably use them. But awesome for being able to trail run on snowy or icy terrain. So I'm sure I'll use them in this Sea to Summit build quite a bit. We did it. We did it. Wow. Thanks, peeps, for yeah, sticking with us. Yeah, thank you for us. sticking along. And definitely check out our extended show notes on the Endurance Drive website for links to any of the products we mentioned today, as well as extended just information that we shared. And please consider giving us a rating or a review or uh, a telegram. Thanks, peeps. <laughs>